Three, three, two, two, one, one. Let's, Let's go! go! <laughs> Jesse, Jesse Cooper. Thank you for joining the show. I am the host of PB Podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, joined by co-host, the man, Matt the Skip Scipione, Dr. Matt the Skip Scipione. Soon, here's a way. We've got work to do, but working towards that. Uh, man, what's the latest, dude? It's been uh, probably like a half a day since we did our last podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, from, from the last podcast, I'd say nothing new has transpired. Uh, this afternoon, I'm, I'm going to be getting back into it. Oh, boy. Lost your camera. Oh, lost Here the camera. Are we back? We're back. We're back. Perfect. Okay. Uh, yeah. Not much has transpired in the last 12 hours, so can't nothing to report on there, but you know, still getting after it. What's going on with you, man? Anything new for you? It's been, it's been, a, it's been a long 12 hours. It, yeah, dude. And when you have a five month old, those 12 hours and it's that sleep change that, you know, you're, you're pulling from a different energy. I try to explain like, what does that even mean? You're pulling from a different energy. You can't explain until you experience it. You got, you know, you're not getting sleep like you used to, and you got to still do your thing. You still got to go. So that's a different energy. Uh, but it's a good one, man. I love looking at that boy and uh, him just growing dude. And just, you know, it's so fast how they're just getting it you know they can't speak but you know they're getting it and uh so when anyway it's so much fun and i'm taking off to texas tomorrow to uh to hit this oil and gas lease and start uh start doing some work out there see if i can drastically increase the economics of the field and of this area in in hopes to you know make good money make money for the area make money for the landowners again uh, so it's really exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. It's very challenging. You have a limited budget and you only have so many ideas that you can test in, uh, in a couple of weeks. And so it's, you know, pulling the trigger, doing the best you can on, on preparing for that and pulling the trigger and then seeing what happens. But dude, you bring up a good point. Cause on the backside of that trip to Texas, May 5th, man, they may ho. <laughs> Uh, Midland, Texas live PBE podcast, man. BRT Energy Advisors. We got another sponsor, Bear Claw. They're going to be selling knives at the event. We're, we're focusing the event, and I hope you can be there, Jassy. Bring the family. You got a free invite from the PBE crew. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be all around the idea of, you know, we're engaging and we're networking. So we're going to have a great show. We're going to do a podcast with somebody like local legend, of course, from the Permian. And then we'll have a live band, food trucks, uh, the free drinks, and just allow kind of, you know, great conversation. Everyone's kind of listening and then let's go back and mingle and then just, you know, switch tables and move around. It's a network event that's long overdue. And we're excited to be running this thing. Fun. Skips, dude, I, it's going to be fun to be back live again and just just see the community. I, I miss the community. I think that's that's probably the big thing. And just, you know, the, the familiar faces and faces that we haven't seen before. And it, it's 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 this is going to be good. I'm very, very excited. That might be worth a trip. Yeah, it's been a very long year. So I, th I think it's I think it's time that we all kind of get back to a little bit of that normalcy and back to, you know, what it used to be, quote unquote. So. Yeah. Yesterday at our North Texas Geological Society meeting, we were planning for the southwest section uh, here in Wichita Falls in 2023, the big southwest section cool. event, and mm -hmm. um, wondering if we're going to be able to pull that off. And I, someone mentioned doing virtual, and I was like, no, let's 
in-person events, you know, get back to it. We'll be there. We'll be there. We'll bring the equipment. We'll do some live podcasts. We'll catch up on your your newer discoveries. Yeah, by then. (laughs) Uh, Jesse Cooper, please allow me to try to introduce you to the audience. I mean, we explain how we cross paths and how this kind of uh, intellectual connection that we had when I did that talk for the for, for the North Texas Geological Society. But, you know, you're a consultant now. You've been in, working in the industry for at least 11 years, it sounded like. Um, about seven years. I started, yeah, I started just studying um, when I was 29, I'm 43 now. Um, it took about five, six years to get out of school because I am a parent and I was just kind of working part, uh, going to school part-time. Um, so I've been working now about seven years. And so in your undergraduate, you picked up Petra and you started working that software or is that okay? Yes. And I was hired as at that first job as in-house geologist with the option to drill my prospects, because at that point I was already making prospects. I wasn't even graduated as a bachelor's yet. I only have my bachelor's. I'm actually considering going back to school at some point. Um, Arizona is actually one of the only schools in the United States that I found doing good geology before I ran into you, um, where I kind of was considering going. Otherwise, it was a couple places in Europe that I, but that's, I can't go there. (laughs) Wow. What was the name of that first company? Because that sounds awesome. They hire you and they go, hey, if you want to drill your product, you can drill your own prospect here. Uh, they, it was shock oil. They're not very, I don't even know if they're still open actually after the downturn. Um, I ended not working there because I, I was making a good prospect and I found a stack of logs in the secretary's office and they were all near my prospect areas. And I was like, what are these for? And she said, um, the owner told me to mail them to this other geologist, older, more seasoned geologist, like giving him the data to my prospects. So I was like, um, I'm going to hold on to these for a little bit. So I took those logs and then went and confronted the owner of the company and said, um, I just wondered why you're mailing these logs from my prospect areas to this geologist. And that was on a Tuesday. And on that Friday, he let me go with about half a year's salary. <laughs> That was after the downturn. So really, I was lucky to still be working. But I, those were my prospects, dang it. So yeah, it was a good lesson learned. Like I, I'm still very close to the engineer from that company, but I haven't talked to the owner of that company since. But I did the geologist that he was mailing the um, logs to I happened to run into him in Wichita Falls and a month or two later and mentioned, um, oh, by the way. <laughs> I saw oh, wow. so-and-so was mailing these to you. I'm still going to work that area. <laughs> and, <Wow. laughs> you know, so wow. I'm still well, trying to work that area. <laughs> well, I mean, I've got it worked. I just need to polish it and sell the prospect. Yeah. Yep. No, it sounds good. We'll help you sell it. Let's do a commercial on PBE talking about your prospect. Uh, <laughs> tell So what, what dropped out for you from this show? Just real quick. Let's go around the horn. What dropped out? And, and then uh, we'll go from there. What do you mean exactly? Yeah. So like from the show, we talked about all kinds of different things. What was it from, from your perspective? What, what did you enjoy the most about this show? Oh, um, gosh, all of it. You just getting to talk about these things with people, uh, in my local community, they're very focused on oil and gas and they don't often want to hear new ideas. They're not, you know, most of them aren't interested in 
furthering the modeling or, you know, they just, they just want the location. They want to drill. So it's not often that I even get to talk to people about <laughs> these ideas and, you know, that share the same sort of excitement about it, especially. Um, so that just all of it, to wow. be honest. <laughs> wow. Skipo, you got anything specific from this one? I was going to say, I like the, the whole concept of the show is just that, you know, there are these anomalies that we see. Uh, we need to address them. They're not anomalies. They're actually probably more important than what we feel is important in this, in this complex geologic problem that we have. And I mean, talking about finding Herkimer diamonds within, you know, the Virgilian and the Cisco and Canyon, all the way to talking about, are these really impact craters? Question mark, question mark. You know, it's so it's, we touched on a lot of really good stuff today and it's just stuff to get, you know, the juices flowing. I'm going to say that just to kind of get that geologic curiosity sparked again. I, I'd say that would be a very good interpretation of this show and what dropped out for me. Wow. Wow. That's it, man. I'm going to just reiterate what you said and it's, you sparked my geologic curiosity and I have it every day. I get to work. I'm very fortunate to work with a lot of people that we do get to talk about all these anomalies in detail. And we find the publications of other data around the world that also support Herkimer diamonds and what the heck, how did they make it made? So there's so much depth to what we do and there's so much out here. There's so much we can do every day and you've sparked my ge geologic curiosity and I just can't thank you enough. I'm so honored. And I just, I really did cherish this time together that we got to share and listening to you talk about this, you, you've inspired me. You've, you've got my juices going, like Skip said. I was so happy to be here. I'm uh, too excited. Sorry, I couldn't be more focused. I'm just so perfect. excited about all of it. <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfect. Jassy, thank you so much for spending time with us. Let's do it again. Thank you so yeah. much, too. Ho hopefully see you in person. Yes. yes. May 5th. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna try actually right. i'm gonna look i'm gonna look it up get the details i'm gonna try to be there i haven't looked forward to something in a long time okay then we are officially starting the conception segment of the pve podcast with miss jassy cooper welcome to the show and uh please we we really do want to get to know you we want to know how it developed where when, when was the first time you picked up a rock why were you inspired by these rocks and uh, becoming a geologist please just enlighten us with, with the story of jassy cooper okay well um it started when i was five <laughs> no really uh i when i was in kindergarten and I learned about dinosaurs um, and that I guess that was probably about when the impact crater, you know, the asteroid theory was probably coming to right. fruition or whatever. And um, right away, uh, I'm 43. I don't know if that gives you some context. So this was the you know mid eighties, I guess. And um, right away when I heard this, I, red flags were going off. I mean, I remember I you're like, wait a minute. Yes. And so, um, I wanted to be a paleontologist for a few years, you know, well, um, get to grade school, junior high, I'm doing things. And that's, I didn't think I, that was in the furthest part of, I never thought about that for years and years. And, um, then when I graduated high school, um, i didn't have the best like family life or examples. Um, so no one really talked to me about going to college much. Um, my grandfather did, but he passed away when I was 18, when I did first start college. Um, what I 
kind of wanted to do then was be a landscape architect. Mm. Um, so uh, anyway, started college, then my grandfather passed away and I was kind of depressed and withdrew and ended up having a son around the age of 20. So I put, you know, my life on the back burner for a while. I did um, have a great job doing completely different things than geology. I was in administrative support at a hospital and um, started mm-hmm. going to school for that before then later, uh, moving to Tulsa for a little while, moving back, um, got married, have a daughter. And at that point, got the opportunity just to go back to school and be a mom. And um, so that was, I was 29 then, that was about 11 or that was probably 12 years ago. And um, I started studying geology just because all of my hobbies were, you know, came in and dovetailed with geology. (laughs) And um, I had also, you know, obviously been interested in global cataclysm or cataclysmic events, things like that my entire life. Um, and then spurred on by that preschool news of a bullite impact, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so funny. But, uh, then I guess sometime in the nineties, I did read this book called the hob theory. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's like H A B mm. stands for the, um, it's a, it's a fictional book, but it's based on you know, some true scientific data and, but they work a story in. Um, so anyway, that got me more interested in, or interested again, you know, in uh, these geologic events and, and whatnot. And so when I did go back to school, when I was 29, I started studying geology, like I said, just because all of my hobbies and interests came back to that. Never thought I would do oil, like, at all but that's what I've been doing is petroleum (laughs) exploration for the last seven years or so and um it turns out I was pretty good at it um I had an opportunity uh while I was a student to start working with a small company here um they wanted me just to work 12 hours a week and this is in Tulsa uh, no, this was in Wichita Falls already. Wichita I went to, Falls, okay. uh, yes, sorry. I was attending Midwestern State here, Midwestern State okay. University in their geologic program. We, um, had some good professors back then. And um, so was very fortunate to, for them to, you know, look out for the students and, you know, reach out to different companies trying to get people jobs. Well, um, one company... Uh, expressed an interest in having someone just do a very, maybe a three month job, 12 hours a week, just to kind of learn Petra and try to teach it to their engineer in-house. It was a a small operator. So they didn't have an in-house geologist. Um, They wanted to get a student. So I was really lucky to get the opportunity to do that because as it turns out, I was very good at not just learning the software, but make you know making maps and just everything that a geologist would need to do really you know logging reading the logs everything just started falling into place really nicely I never expected to be really good at that (laughs) but um they uh ended up keeping me there for three years and it turned into a thing where every prospect they got that came in uh, the owner would have me do my own interpretation of all of this, all of the prospects, whether it was from the most, you know, 
notable geologists in the region or, you know, random people who sent things in, um, but not many students get the opportunity to just learn the software and go with it. And, yeah. you know, I just was mapping several counties. Um, I, in, in between doing those, um, my own interpretation of those prospects, I filled in holes in the database I was working and just started, I mean, before I knew it, I was mapping counties, you know, yeah. almost uh, any, any, on a few any, different any, horizons. Were there any uh, projects that really stuck out to you that you got in that you were just like, this seems like either too much. And then you just kind of got after the data. And as you were looking at the data, like things started like popping out at you. If, if you can talk about it. Of um, I can, there was one, um, well, a lot of them started, um, not just, they were all interesting in their own way. One great experience I had was, um, as I was there, they got this weird, you know, it kind of fell into their lap prospect, uh, down in around Beaumont, Texas, um, around Port Acres. It's, it's, um, almost getting over close to Louisiana and it, okay. it had, near Spindletop almost, if you know, if you're familiar with that. No. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, there are a lot of salt domes, uh, where they drill around those. And, um, I quickly realized I do not like Gulf coast geology, but it was very eye opening to see how they correlated things and how they were producing around these salt domes and also the geologists in North Texas, how they really had no grasp of how some of that geology might work. And so those were lessons in I mean, seeing how those geologists looked at it and seeing how I looked at it, I could, you could just tell by looking at some of these maps, it was salt domes and they were trying to give all these different explanations and uh, underplay the faulting in the area. And I was a little troubled by that and quickly realized I needed some good mentorship. And um, <laughs> uh, so started just, you know, reaching out to people and colleagues in the area and lucked into getting other independent work while I was still working with that company. Um, back up another, um, while I was still working with that company, the Tannehill play, I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. the Tannehill play. Okay. okay. That's the, one of the big ones that I was mapping um, for the few years that I ended up being at that job. And um, it's so interesting. And so my heart is out there in the counties that do Tannehill, but since then I've been looking uh, deeper at, you know, um, Canyon, I guess, uh, Cisco, Pennsylvania, yeah. I don't know, all the nomenclature I know everywhere, regions have their different- As long as, as, long as you don't call it the climb, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Stoney would be very mad. <laughs> I'm trying to think like Virgilian and Missourian, you know. Right. Anyway, um so uh started working some of that more recently and um that's what I've been working those deeper sections out west 
since I've been consulting with Gunn, but um, between that job and this job at Gunn, I got the opportunity to work for a local company in Wichita Falls who, you know, their families have, I don't know if you know much about the Wichita Falls and Archer and Clay County areas as far as exploration goes, but that this used to be one of the hottest spots in the world. Um, so there's a lot of history dating back to the early 1900s as far as drilling goes. And so the people I worked with here, um, they had a lot of leases in Archer County. And it's the kind of place where if you look at the geologic map, there is literally a well every 50 feet. Whoa. Most of the county, it's it's a kind of a nightmare to work, actually, because the data, the wells are so old that you have to look at old data, sometimes even just drillers logs. I wow. mean, how deep is the tar was the target that they were all going after? Um, a lot of them were 1300 feet or less, wow. but eventually they did start going to, you know, 5000 feet, 6000 feet and um but it, it was kind of a nightmare. I was spoiled to have actually worked out West before that. Um, but it, it was also a great learning experience. Like all of my, the jobs that I've just happened to luck into have been such great learning experiences. Oh. Then I got here to gun and had access to a much larger database. Wow. Well, I say I got here to gun. I actually have my own company, but I'm consulting with gun in my offices in their building. But um, had access to a much larger database uh, for the same places that I had been working out west. And once I started really looking, you know, uh, correlating the whole, you know, the whole section, um, I when I register logs and look in an area, I don't I'm I don't try to just look at, you know, one horizon like some geologists will, you know, kind of focus on the one horizon or the closest ones to what they're looking at, I like to look at the whole strat column, everything I can correlate. And um, as I was looking at some of these features that get called reefs or mm -mm. whatever, I, <laughs> I quickly realized these are, I'm seeing inverted section, like it, what parts of it Eventually, what I came to see was it is a recumbent sheath fold setting, some of what we're looking at. And so from there, I just started thinking, oh, my gosh, what could have caused this? And of course, it's more complex than that. There mm -hmm. are stacked, you know, stacked thrust oh. fold yeah. um, sections of this. And um, at that point, I realized all of the literature I had been reading and... <laughs> you know, the models I had been looking at and taught were, at least for this area, very, very wrong. Like I had been led astray. And um, wow. So I started thinking, what could possibly have done this, you know, and uh, I knew we we're along the border near Oklahoma, you know, where the failed rift, Southern Oklahoma, Lockjin, um, yeah. all of that. So I yep. just, I just kept thinking and thinking and finally, uh, reached out to some people in Scotland. Ian also, um, is one of the people doing really good work on sheath fold 
geometries and whatnot. And then I uh, somehow got in touch with Philip Heron. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but um, mm. he is also in the UK. Um, he was in Canada, but I think he's back in the UK now. He's done some really great work. Um, he studied under the people who studied under Alfred Wegener or whatever. Okay. Um, mm. And then uh, who else? Um, a J2 Zoe Wilson person. Uh, uh, There's some of the early people in continental drift theories and, and okay. otherwise, but the work has obviously come a long way since then. Right. Um, so anyway, um, then I realized these rocks must have undergone liquefaction somehow <laughs> to get to this state. And that is what from there, that's what led me into, man, you know, studying more about mantle dynamics and just different processes so related to that. We're, uh, this is just more on the, just like a lithologic question is, are these, you know, recumbent folds, are they typically churdy, dolomitic, phosphatic, or are they just something totally different than that? They have, I mean, it depends on which, if you get to the deeper sections, you might find some chert. Um, mm -hmm but they are, there is some dolomite. It's, um, I have some logs nearby I could show you, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, it's, has anyone, um, has anyone cored the thing? There, um, we don't, I haven't found core right now. What I'm looking for is dip meter, a lot, a lot of dip meter. Um, we can't really see some of these folds in seismic the way they are, I get partly, I think because of the resolution, but also partly because the people that the people haven't been looking at them Probably. as if they are these types of folds. So yeah. that's kind of where I came in a year ago or so. And once I realized, whoa, what types of folds we are, I tried to work, help work with the geophysicists to, you know, from uh, my end, uh -huh. um, my interpretation and to better image you know, figure out how to better image some of this. Yeah. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, What's the age of the event? When does the, the folding begin and end? Do you have a time idea? Well, uh, for the more recent folds, um, well, from the Permian on up, all we have is the nice stacked, um, yeah. you know, Cretonic, I, I don't even know what you, the accretionary wedges, you know, stuff. Yeah. Then, um, is it like Ordovician in age or so, is it? Uh, Ordovician, but basically between Ordovician and Permian. Yeah. Um, so for that, like, make, that makes sense with the timing with the allocogen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, go on. Sorry. Oh, sorry. You know, it's my okay. brain's spinning. <laughs> no, I, it's great. Um, another thing though that, um, a couple of years before, I started questioning any of this geology. I was drilling, uh, doing mud logging. I got to do mud logging on some of my own, some of my own wells or That's all of awesome. my own wells, but at the last company, I know it was really great. Also just so lucky to have that experience. But um, <laughs> um, I got to the Cisco or I think, is it Virgilian in age? I, I I don't know. I should know that. Um, 
they all run together right lately <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I've been so not looking at, at those things in a little while. I've been looking at bigger things. So anyway, um, got to these particular cuttings or samples and um, they were around 1200 feet uh, measured depth and I was looking at them under my microscope and in this section, I mean, you may not believe me, I don't know how much mud logging you guys have done, but people always throw out the, you know, bigger chunks. Well, in this particular horizon, you can get chunks that are sometimes almost a centimeter large. And that is the sandstone that you're looking for um, in when you get to these horizons. And you know it is because you get there, you see it, you smell it, and it's a familiar smell. You just, it, it just really you know. is. So, so I'm a big advocate of not throwing away all of the big pieces because you need to go pick out some of the sandstone chunks. Well, I was looking at them under my microscope and I was seeing what looked like perfect little Herkimer diamond shaped quartz. Yes. Like Did it have hydrocarbon in it. Did you see any kind yes. of- ah! Yes. No, but That's the one. The but the perfect little quartz crystals. I was like, this is not just sand. This there no, is a, hi, a whole hydrothermal. That's an ejectite. That's yes. an ejectite. Wow! We're gonna do this, man. I was just talking about how we need to reevaluate all. I'm the up core. now. Oh man, uh, this is good. Okay, so, keep going. Up. Yeah. So then uh, I put that in the back of my mind. For a couple of years, I still have the samples. They're in my office now. Oh my and gosh, those are going to be worth major dollars in the future. Really? Well, Maybe. I'm I'm really excited about them personally. Can you explain to me exactly? Well, now that let's, we know what's going explain, on, <laughs> let's say well, let's explain to the people what a Herkimer diamond is first. So okay. for for those who don't know, yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, Herkimer diamond. Let's just uh, let's Google it. Let's yeah. Google it. Let's see what it says. How do you spell Herkimer? Herkimer, New York. What is that? Herkimer. Yep, know. there it is. Oh, cool. I've, I've searched it before. Uh, okay. A Herkimer diamond is, man, we have so many more better pictures than this, but this one will do fine. Uh, let's get it enlarged. How do we enlarge that? It's kind of working. Let's want a Wikipedia. Okay, here we go. I can, you want me to read it? Oh, just a Wikipedia definition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So a Herkimer diamond is a double terminated quartz crystal discovered within exposed outcrops of dolomite in and around Herkimer County, New York and Mohawk River Valley. Not actually diamonds. The diamond, quote unquote, in their name is due to both their clarity and their natural faceting. Crystal right. processes double termination points at 18 total faces, these six on each point uh, around the center. Uh, because of this first discovery site was in the village. Okay, yeah, this is blah, 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 blah. Uh, process of, yeah, okay. Does it but, say it has carriagen inside of it? Because that's what we're looking at here in the in, on the screen. Yeah. Does it talk yeah. about carriagen and hydrocarbon? It, uh, blah, blah, blah. Found within the inclusions are solid liquid, salt, water, or petroleum. Gases, often carbon dioxide, two to three phase inclusions, uh, and a negative uniaxial crystal. A black hydrocarbon is the most common solid inclusion. And you can find liquid oil. We have yeah. some. We definitely have seen this. Man, I'm so excited. These things about are, it. Yeah, these things are freaking awesome. 
Yeah. They were really small. You know, I had to look at them under the microscope, but I was like, I know that's what I'm looking at. I took it to the school to get the, one of my former professors to agree. Is this really, what, am I seeing this? You know, they had better microscopes and he was like, I'll be darned. Yes. And so I was like, okay, this is, this is, I have some questions here. Go ahead. Yeah. Is this the older stuff or what formation? Oh, no, this is the newer, like in the Virgilian. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, this I is can't... up in the Cisco age. Like, oh, no, no, no. You're you're correct. I I, I double checked. It's Missourian Virgilian. For it Cisco. is okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um. Yeah, and it's you know just thought to be all of these channels and whatever. Well, um, that made me question some things. But like I said, I had been working with very small databases at that time, and um. So once I started seeing this at gun and really thinking about mantle dynamics and that as, you know, some of those processes is how some of this deformation must have happened, some sort of chaotic event. Right. Um, I thought, well, I would imagine, you know, some of what I'm seeing here in the, these tiny Herkimer diamond, that would have been later as things are settling down, you still have geothermal um you know a nice geothermal setting i'm not exactly i haven't exactly envisioned it in my mind i haven't gone back to that area and worked it that much it's authogenic mineralization that quartz is ha is crystallizing out at the same time the hydrocarbon and the carrageen is being hydrogenated and made this is a hydrothermally made oil process you're looking at a translucent reactor vessel you're holding them that you yeah. found in the chips of the drilling like you <laughs> you found that that's the target that's yeah. where the oil was being made right there i mean that yeah. wow and so that was interesting to come back and get to think about especially in terms of different models um also though in archer county it's you know it's right North Texas, we're close to the Wichita Mountains. Um, mm. You know, that whole situation. I'm, I'm just going to pull up my Google Earth so I don't say something wrong here. That's the Red River right here going into Oklahoma, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yes, I think that is it. Yes. And so where are you at? You're down in North Texas. Um, where Archer? Uh, I've worked right now, myself worked from Clay County all the way over to Crosby County and then north and south a few, but this particular sample was from uh, a well in Archer County. Oh boy, Let's this see. map. <laughs> There's Clay. There's Archer. Archer. Okay. Yeah, Archer's just south of Wichita County. But yeah. still... So we're just south of the Allocogen. So we're just yeah. south of that feature. Troy. Geologically speaking, we're very close. Yes. And um, one thing, another thing um, about drilling wells in Archer County, when I got down to the Marble Falls, which I think they try to call, is that Lower Pennsylvanian? It's right, it's right at the, right near the Barnett Shale, which is controversial sometimes in age. Mississippian, I, I don't know if they try to call it Mississippian or it's, if they're still calling it Pennsylvanian. Um, but 
what correlates to the Marble Falls in some counties in Archer County is very gassy. It looks kind of like a black shale. Um, and I actually started wondering if it's not a sill or something. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't really look like shale. Right. Even. Chemical, um, chemical mud. You got to get your hands on it and you got to just do Rocky valve paralysis, XRF, XRD, and it's going to scream at us that it's a chemical mud. It's not the trial. It didn't come from one of these mountains that were mm -hmm. around this air. This is a, this is, you're, you're thinking along the lines exactly. This is some kind of hybrid igneous sedimentary process because it's not melted rock, right? So it's not true igneous, but it's, it's hot muds that are coming up from this mantle derived right. process, serpentination. Right. You're, you're looking at serpentine night muds right uh, uh, i yeah so um i'm still in good on good terms with that operator uh from my former job and i said hey next time you guys drill to to that depth i want to get some of those samples if you don't mind <laughs> so, come out with you I'll, I'll, absolutely uh, i'll help get samples <laughs> yeah absolutely you. they would probably be excited they're they are a good little hometown operator their family oh, yeah. history is in this and they would they like to share and help help people learn you know oh my I mean, gosh let's do it pbe yeah. specific episode let's tell this story that'd be amazing <laughs> live yeah. from the well live from the well with skip a hard hats back on <laughs> let's go slanging and banging dude <laughs> so yeah just so many questions and different yeah. random opportunities along the way just wow. and then i ended up here with this database figuring this out and it's like it's or you know figuring some of these things out um and the so that takes me back to my childhood and thinking <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't believe there was an asteroid impact that it made the dinosaurs extinct, you know, and I do believe that our earth has experienced some very chaotic magmatic events. Yeah. And if you really look at the scale of some of it, it, I wonder if one of these, would it be Terra scale? I don't know if there's a larger scale, global scale events happens again. I wonder could you know, if we're looking at it right, could we find where a safe place on the earth might be? So That's I like to, I like to think deeper than just finding oil and whatnot, but um, maybe that's silly to even think there would no. be a safe place, you know, it's but. Not. It's not silly. It's silly to think that an impact, there's an asteroid out there that's going to destroy our planet and we need to figure out a way to get off this planet. That's a right. silly fucking I assumption. Know. If you want I know, no. That you know, the conspiracy theorist in me thinks that whole get off the planet is just so taxpayers will fund a space hotel or something for like <laughs> for like the global elite to go hang out when the when the planet does finally explode again or something. The global elite, let them go. That's fine. The global <laughs> they, elite go they'll sit up there and like toast each other while the rest yeah. of us fry or something. <laughs> Uh, I try not to tell people that thought too often. <laughs> uh, no, listen, it's, it's all in fun and all in, in honestly in truth. I mean, we're talking about our assumptions of what we make sense of in the geologic rock record. And one of right. the things that is a huge controversy, but nobody really wants to talk about it is, was it seriously an impact that made that 
event happen across the world? Or was it just happened to be a timed event with a lot more other naturally natural processes that were very chaotic, like an ultra deep hydrothermal system popping up? Serpentinization is a very toxic in place to be you don't mm-hmm. want to be around the permian or around the uh anadarko basin in ordovician time and you don't want to be around these places there's gases it's bubbling up it's toxics it's chemical it's it's killing everything i mean it mm-hmm. it's a crazy time and that's yeah. a natural process that has nothing to do with an impact crater that's mm-hmm. causing that these are major faults happening it's the major it's the globe doing its thing through right. there's a lot more to talk about mm-hmm. than just talking it up as you know, entertaining a fifth grade class with an asteroid impact. It's not. Do we, do we, is this where we transition? Is this drill the drill down? down? I think this is where we transition. <laughs> Transitioning officially into the drill down set, Jesse Cooper. And you, I'm honestly going to tell you this. You are a huge inspiration because we crossed paths when I did a talk for the Magma Kim Research Institute for the uh, North Texas Geological Society. I get that right? Yes making the introduction to our webinar series called the ultra deep web, uh, hydrothermal webinar series and all these anomalies that we see in the geologic rock record as geologists that can't be explained by the traditional uh you know source to sink you know detrital ideas there's something else going on here a much bigger process and you reached out and you go man i love these ideas like like and we we focused on what we're going to drill down into which was this it, meteor impact crater could some of these craters be created in a totally different way than an asteroid smacking in and and that's all that happened and when you said that and you start i mean you wrote a lot and you text a lot through linkedin and i was i was truly inspired and i i remember thinking i don't know how great that talk was but when i saw that text and you and you sent me that i go that that was it i didn't need any other confirmation i didn't need mm-hmm. to think about the talk anymore i knew there was something there because of how you reached out and, you, and then now now it's driving us to do this show so please let's talk about crater impact do you want to just go in the fundamentals of it i have google pulled up with some imagery of uh, of some the basics you want to you want to look at it sure okay skip oh here we go bang look at that simple these big holes whoa 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 now there's all kinds of different types of, of holes you can get a crater but this has to all to do with diamonds mm-hmm. this is kimberlite pipe making a crater right so we already know okay there's a there's a deep process there that a piping it. feature uh-huh. no. a crater from a piping feature that's what we would call that right i mean everywhere across the southwest united states right it's like you see hundreds of craters and they're all mm-hmm. cinder cones that have just like eroded away right it's a or, deep feature uh, <laughs> yeah or they call it a mar where it was a you know an explosive event um, yeah. which i guess is the same type of thing as a yeah maybe a cinder cone but yeah slightly different because i mean there's a mar i believe the one in death valley is a mar but like when you are driving down the what is it the 15 or the 20 i think it's a uh or the 30 excuse me like amboy crater i know for a fact that one is a cinder cone Mm. but but okay yeah anyways no yeah yeah oh okay i some of them yeah like those Okay, yes, absolutely. I was thinking of like El Elegante in Mexico, mm. you know, just kind of across the Arizona border where they do call it Amar. Oh, there it is. Or, or, 
We are looking uh, at just massive holes in the ground, everyone, for those of you yes. who are not watching via video. So we're and then just, just different, to, yeah, different oh, types of craters. No, no, go on, go on. I was going to say, and then just across the uh, border at Arizona, they call that an impact crater <laughs> when it's clearly the same type of feature wow. as, as it's a Mar. Um, and so I actually looked into how did that even how did that one, this one, obviously in a huge igneous province or whatever, become become to call be called a an impact crater? And apparently, it was a a corporate steel person who um, tried to say it must have been an impact crater. Um, I think the, some geologists before that thought it was a, a mar, or I don't know if that was the language they were using, but um, then later, some steel guy, I think, um, I don't know who it was wanting to potentially look there for metal and other resources, but apparently some corporate steel guy came in and his influence was what decided that was an impact crater. And from there, it's it a, just stuck it's a national thing. landmark. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, so, so how do you differentiate between something that's a mar or an impact, an actual impact crater? Is it the shock quartz that you know is involved with the impact, or is it something yeah. totally, totally well, different? I think with an ejecta event or something like these events, you could still have the shocked quartz. I don't think that yeah. is indication of any sort of impact. I, okay. I don't. I'm not sure. I believe there are any impact craters on our planet, to be honest, or on the moon. I mean, if you go look. I mean, even in NASA's database, some of their impact craters, like they contradict themselves. They'll call a lot of these things impact craters, but then you look at the same sort of craters and even on you know NASA website, it calls them floor fractured craters from, you know, degassing type of craters. Aha, that's a big one. Degassing, yeah. definitely a real thing. Yeah, oh yeah. And, you know, if you're having a global chaotic event, there's no reason you wouldn't see enormous sized degassing features, you know, mm -hmm. on scales we're not looking at because we're not taught to look at it that well, way. Two things. Yeah, we're not taught to, taught to look at it. And it's also been masked on our planet. We have, we have an active dynamo that's constantly recycling its crust. It's very complex what we do. But when we look at Mars or when we look at the, the moon, like we're looking here, you know, our understanding of the moon was right around that 4.5 billion, two planetesimals smacked into each other. Potentially Africa is where the plume hits because it's got the big plume that goes to the core, that big heat plume. So if that planetesimal hits there and then it's it broke off and it caught caught in our gravitational pull because we we are now the bigger body of rock and then that rock never kept going we kept we we had a satellite all of a sudden, well if you think about that and you you spin both of those things and start density stratifying both of those things and they're both filled with hydro carrogen uh, and water and all the gases and all the elements that we have in the universe but they're two different sized bodies one's earth and one's a little little guy on the moon the satellite the moon to me looks like a massive event that quickly cooled 
lost all its gases, lost all its fluids because it didn't have a gravitational pull. I mean, the earth was way more gravity there. So it's losing and just turning into a cold, dead rock very quickly, maybe after that event, as it's trying to density stratify and become an active planet with an active dynamo, but it couldn't. It didn't have the energy. It didn't have the mass to make it happen. So I, I totally agree about the moon. When I look at the moon, I go, I'm not buying it. A bunch of right, yeah. <laughs> gas escape feeds. You look like a bunch of bubbles. Right, exactly. I mean, it's it almost seems elementary. <laughs> This is awesome. I could talk to you for hours about stuff like this. This is awesome. And then you got Mars. We did this big study on Mars, Gale Crater, and that this 18,000 foot tall mud mound in the middle of this big crater, you know, this big impact looking thing. That's not an impact crater. There's no way it's a massive mud volcano. It's been carved out with the winds on Mars and it doesn't have chemical erosion on Mars. It doesn't have the water to run around and mat and life masking it. Mm -hmm. So that's like a 3.5 billion year snapshot of what Mars was doing just mm -hmm. shortly after what our planet was doing. So it's, it's a major insight to better understand our planet. It's not understand what we think is going on and then project it out to these other bodies in the universe. That's, it's the wrong thing. That's a wrong right. approach. Um, one comment I have on the Mars thing. Um, uh, in the last few years, I can't, I don't remember the details of the, what they called the impact or the meteor that struck this particular area of Mars or even what was recording it. But I remember watching it and um, they called it an impact event, but all you see is an explosion. You don't see anything traveling to this particular area or mm. anything. You just see an explosion. So I wonder if there are still active, I mean, I haven't studied much about Mars admittedly but um, i just wonder are there still active volcanic type events on mars because i would i wanted i questioned oh is that really impact or is that uh, you know ejecta <laughs> yeah some kind of injectite deal coming out of it a explosion coming out of it exactly it, it appears the dynamo is definitely dead on mars with all the data that that has come back and in, in geology studies from unit bay but yeah i mean you who really knows yeah <laughs> moons on around Saturn that look very active and they're talking about, you know, they, they're seeing a lot of interesting things there. And I, I mentioned Alfredo Petrov. We did a podcast for the Magnum Research Institute last night with this Mr. Mr. Alfredo Petrov, this guy, Skippo. Wow, dude, his story, he ties in rock courier, this guy that's basically created the Tucson gym mineral show. Yeah. Uh, Alfredo, just amazing guy. One, and he, he's, he's all about Mindat. We kind of talked about that. And Mindat is this great resource for all geologists, mineralogists to figure out kind of where's all this stuff been found. There's 55-ish hundred known minerals on the, known minerals. There's only so many that are found. Most of them are microscopic. You know, it's a very interesting com conversation we had, but what I'm pulling from it was we have a planet that is so unexplored. I mean, he, he has a story about going somewhere where no man has ever stepped foot. And it was this crazy sequence of events that the government in Bolivia was pushing people out and make kind of forcing them out there. NASA gets a hold of them because they're like, we can't even see that. It's always covered in with clouds. We have no visual of what you doing over there. What's there? And he's finding all this stuff out. I mean, and then he talks about how there's countries, literally whole countries of people that do not pick up rocks they don't report anything 
as far as the natural world that they live on. They do not show, hey, it's the mineral we got, it's sand, anything. They, they, they report nothing from these countries. Hundreds of countries don't report not, they don't report not anything. We have not explored our own planet. And we, but yet we want to explore the universe, of course, and go everywhere, you know, light speed away. There's so much here that needs to be done. We got to invite people and inspire people to look back and look at our feet and start picking up rocks and collecting this stuff. Mindat's there. It's totally free. Put a rock on Mindat and say, what is this thing? And they have specialists like Stan Keith and others that are looking at it. They go, oh, that's a pegmatite and it's got felt, you know, whatever. And they start explaining it and you're going, whoa. And you put it in geologic context. And all of a sudden this mountain you're looking at is, whoa, that thing, you know, lithified it. 15 clicks and it's brought up and you're starting to put your area in geologic context. Very inspiring. It's very fun to get the community together and talk about rocks. I think so. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I enjoy this so much. I mean, it's you're, you're doing it. You're an explorer. You have this ability to see and, and actually question and, and not just, shelf it i mean man i want those herkimers i don't know how or where or what kind of deal we can be done i'll give you some serpentinite i'll trade are you up for a trade they're tiny they're t- you have to look yeah. at them under the microscope they're tiny but they're they're there i want them I want them done deal um speaking uh, of ex- exploring though and some of this um during this um whole revelation or whatever i started going out to West Texas to look better at some at the surface of some of the areas that I wanted to possibly drill with new eyes and or you know prospect and um one thing that I was finding was an area that's called at the surface mapped as Pleistocene Aeolian deposits is very clearly pyroclastic flow like it's very ashy uh, it's, um, I have samples of it. I wish I could show you. They're also here, but mm. it's very ashy. Um, a lot of mica, it's just, it's obviously like a, a tough or a tephra. I'm not, I'm not sure. Wow. I can't, I'm not sure of the technical term for it, but it's definitely ash flow of some sort. And, um, you can find just very small little cliffs on the side, not, not even cliffs, like a little, bank type outcrop on the side of the road where it looks like maybe an animal dug a little cave or something but when I got to looking at it more there was like sulfur also shooting out so I feel like it was a little gas vent just right right there a couple of little gas vents they both had little sulfur again wow so um the surface out there needs to be looked at um we found just some really, really neat things there. Same at the, which up north of the Wichita mountains in the limestones, we found some really, really neat things there. Just things that everything ties back to this whole bigger picture being different than what I have been taught. <laughs> wow, man, I love it. I love it. I'm so, I'm so excited to keep following you and, and uh, whatever publications. So let's get into the completion part of the show. I mean, we could sit literally and talk about creators in this all day long but we won't well maybe we'll do a part two if we really want to with jassy cooper but let's get into the completion part of the show what is it that you now are focusing on and how are you helping our geologic community to better understand these things and to better make observations like jassy can and 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 what are you doing what are you focusing on 
I am focusing on, well, like I said, right now, uh, I am focusing on more geomodeling this area because I think that it's going to shed insight, not into just our area, but a lot of other areas. Some people are, are um, you know, doing the great geomodeling um, for different areas, even parts of Texas. But in this particular region, um, I hope that looking at some of these things differently um, and, you know, diligently working to model them properly is going to help geologic exploration as far as oil and gas goes, also probably uranium or other resources. Um, so that's a good thing. But like I said, once I started looking at it this way, I can't let go of the right. mantle dynamics and all of that and really oh. wanting to look big picture. And oh man, mother nature got you. Maybe She's save her, some lives. I don't know. <laughs> Um, what about writing papers? What about getting involved in the, the societies more and starting to present more specifics like the Herkimores that you found, Herkimores you found, like I'm down to do like, let's do a, a little social about that. Well, a monthly luncheon, just tell yeah. us everything about that. Yeah. Um, I do want to, well, once I realized just how big this situation is, I would like to, um, Public, publish something, a publication. I don't, it, at this point, it's going to end up being a book, <laughs> but um, su surface to subsurface of kind of a big area, Oklahoma, almost down to San Antonio, down to near Marathon. Right. And then, um, I mean, I, I feel like it's necessary to tie all of it in together. Um, wow. Wow. So uh, how do it's all part of the, it's all part of the same story, right? It, it, I think yes, it it yeah. absolutely does. I mean, like the rocks we're looking at in the subsurface, those are similar to the rocks down at Marathon. You know, the same yeah. types of folds, same whatever. But we're told, taught that it's something completely different. It's not. It's the same type of fold mountain setting. Um, that's just subsurface. Um, but then also we need to look. I think a lot needs to be done on how these folds came about. And that's something that I would really like to work on. Um, like I said, these rocks obviously underwent liquefaction and that ties into the whole chaotic magmatic event thing. Like I'm, I could just go talk that's, in circles, I'm sure. <laughs> well, we got to work together. We definitely got to work together because as, as you know, delegate and energy mineral counselor for the APG Southwest section, we have access to all kinds of people that are like, hey, I'm, if you want me to go out and just take pictures of the surface, take some samples, find some lab that's willing to run XRF, XRD, rock eval on all this stuff, we could start contributing to this Mindat on the oily side and the Herkimer Diamond side of the of Texas mm -hmm. and 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 do this. Like, it can't be you that's going all the way down to Marathon, all the way. Across. I mean, that's it's a, such a huge <laughs> such area. Yeah, we've covered. It's a fun. It's covered a fun it's a fun road trip, but a lot, a lot of unnecessary driving. Right. I've covered a lot of it and I enjoy road trips and doing that sort yeah. of thing, but there's no way I can see everything that I want to see and cover everything that I want to cover as one person. I've tried to recruit a couple people locally, but um, wow. 
not much luck. It reminds me of, uh, just a, real quick. It reminds me of a talk I watched in West Texas about this, uh, this lady that came and gave us a, a big deal on uh, on archaeology. She's using satellite imagery around the world. And they're finding, you know, old grave sites or old villages, old areas where people live. And she she has a community that does that. They all surf Google Earth, very detailed, right? She's got a very uh, specific way of doing it. How to highlight and adjust your colors, and you know, find things. How to spin, how to navigate through satellite to find interesting features that need to be then like actually raise the money and the the people locally can get out there and actually take more detailed stuff. But that's Mm -hmm. a fast way to just get a bunch of people in a community that just have the time and the curiosity to scan the surface and with all these available techniques that NASA has given us, I mean, it's all free public data Mm -hmm. and access to the software do it with you driving the ship and explaining what you're looking for. How did you find these things? How, maybe that's a way to do it. Maybe that's a cool way to scan a large area and then all of a sudden find 10 that need to be further explored. And APG mm-hmm. and SEG have these budgets to explore, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's use that money. This is something new. We're starting with the surface and we're going to go down to the reservoirs eventually. It's going to take mm-hmm. years. Let's get the community <laughs> alive and fired up about this. Yeah. And make everyone pioneers. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. Skips, what do you got going in the completion, man? Dude, I I don't. I'm just kind of taking this all in. It's it's freaking an awesome thing to see. Because I mean, like you said, we see the Herkimer diamonds in the Permian, right? We know they're in the Seven Rivers. I mean, Stan Keith freaking found those samples, and I mean massive oil inclusions within that formation and you don't think of the seven rivers as an oil bearing formation uh and then i mean obviously out here in california everything is just completely whack and doesn't make any sense to any geologic model sedimentary model whatsoever uh you you know you have they're calculating toc up into like the 50 percent in order to account for the oil that's being produced it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever wow Wow. I know the Herkimer diamond stuff, dude, that is so effing cool. Cause it's telling us that it's the oil was made right then geologically instantaneous. You did not have 50 million years later and it was made. It's not that long story. It's happening right there. Mm -hmm. And that that allows us to be a lot more predictable, a lot more specific about why we're doing what we do. And we want to put the wellbore there why we want to stimulate this wellbore with this particular fluid chemistry. Like there's so much of this. Yeah. And then tying it back into kind of what you were saying about, you know, you have these pyroclastic flows on the surface and you're seeing these different clays and these, you know, these different micas. I mean, more or less the same thing, phyllosilicates. You're finding these different phyllosilicates and it's just like, hey, wait, this you this can't be this can't be detrital. If this was detrital, this this would already more or less this would be gone, right? You look at Bowen's reaction series and you're like, in the events at which these things occur, this should not exist in its crystal form here. But it and I mean we see it in the subsurface too. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, why are we seeing these weird clays here that have no business being here? High temperature stuff. One thing that's also really interesting, um, just back to craters real quick. Um, in West Texas at the surface, you see a lot of perfectly circular little holes, you know, often get called stock ponds or, or 
sometimes playa lakes. Um, one good example, if you guys haven't looked at this one, um, something to look up, Esteline, Texas. Um, just, Hold on, I'm getting there. Okay. Esteline. Yeah. How do you spell Esteline? Uh, E-S-T-E-L-L-I-N-E. There we go, folks. And there is actually a, an interesting Texas Monthly article about this feature, but um, which talks about some creatures now, maybe now extinct. Okay, if you just go to the east there, that right there. Uh huh. You zoom into that. This. Um, that is a yes. That's a natural feature. I don't know if they've. Oh my gosh! It is. Yes. Farming. <laughs> and apparently, it goes so deep, no one's ever found the bottom. People have. Seen, people have died in there. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the, some some sources out who have been raised in that area say they used to swim in it, but they will not swim in it any longer because they have seen that thing swirling like a drain. What? What? Yeah. So that oh is my that is some sort of piping feature that is, you know, <laughs> obviously related to how, you it's know, like how the flu. Um, I don't know how. I mean, I would imagine with tides and how convection events happen. I mean, I wouldn't doubt that he saw it you know maybe like a vacuum getting sucked down i don't know but oh i just think that God. is so fascinating and if you start zooming out you start seeing more and more of those features they're not as big as that one but they could have been other little um oh my gosh conduits. What is all the rock made out of? Does, what's has anybody done detailed chemistry on the the, the wall rock down this thing? Um, at the surface, it is, and this is near where I was telling you, kind of near where I was telling you the pyroclastic flow. It's, it's um, a little to the south, southeast of here. But um, uh, as far as the surface geology, I don't recall what they call, what they're calling some of this. I have a geologic map next to me. Um, wow. No, I'm just, yeah. Yeah, it was just a random question. No yeah. worries. On... Well, that could be the second the... part. That could be the second part. Yeah. Yes. I'll get back to you on that because I, this is, you know, some of this surface and these surface features. And then if you move west, of course, further west, you have all the weird little playa lakes. Um, I don't know. But that, just seeing some of these things like at Esteline, that looks like a, just a, you know, like a cenote or whatever you might see in Mexico or somewhere. I don't, I don't know, but wow, yes. they have it fenced off no, now. No. And I wonder if you can even drive drones or fly drones across it because I would be willing <laughs> to do that. I just, I'd love to take a look at that place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. 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 I've enjoyed talking to you more than I can express in words, no combination of words I can put together that can, I'm so excited from what we just talked about and, and we have to stay together. We have to build on these concepts. I truly believe that we have a community that would be in support of this. We have the funding that could start helping it. And with a group, with a team that we're building like BRT energy advisors, helping us out, investing in us to help share these this wisdom share this knowledge share, share these observations and these discoveries that you're doing 
I mean, it's real life. It's happening today. We're still mm -hmm. making so many discoveries and there's still so much more to be made. And it has a direct impact on what we do as geoscientists. Like we're not just dicking around all day. This is something that actually has an impact on how we think about the models and why we're spending the money we are to get these natural resources. You made that discovery in this show. I'm so excited for you this know, show to come out. One more thing, if we're looking at these things right, I think we could uh, even more look at not just geologic exploration, but wildfires. I would imagine if we're looking at some of these, how the mantle or how the, you know, processes, convective events, whatever, how it's all moving and how the plumbing is changing and whatever, uh, I would imagine some of, some of all of this relates directly to wildfires, you know, the wildfires that go across Australia, Africa, California, you know, you're, you're right out there near fissures, who's to say there's not something, you know, seeping to the surface that's kind of a catalyst or even right. just the the reason for some of these fires rather than climate change or whatever. I mean, not that climate change isn't real, but I think it has to do with solar and mantle and other, other changes, you know, not That's right. made, mm -hmm. but um, so I, I really think that it could just looking at all of this properly and big picture, you could, you can just look at so much more than just geologic exploration with it, you know, mm -hmm. wildfires, understanding of things. I don't know. Wow. You're spot on. I totally believe that. And it's been recorded that there's methane leaks coming out of the mountains in the Caneo Valley area around Thousand Oaks and stuff. I mean, it, it's there for sure. And serpentinization is just rampant right there. And so there's a lot to be discussed on that and then in details. Um, so, I mean, what I love the way you ended the show. I mean, we're talking about just not oil and gas. We're talking about all things geology, all things trying to better understand this natural world. What's impacting the climate, right? The solar is impacting the weather more so, so that it's the, our inner star that has the impact on climate. You know, we got to integrate these ideas. We got to, we got to get there and, and we're doing it. We're doing it live on these shows and, uh, and we'll keep in contact. I, I hope and pray that we get to keep in contact, Jess. You're not going anywhere, right? Anytime. No, no, I'm not going anywhere. I just hope our industry isn't going anywhere. And that's why it's so important to look bigger picture and not let climate change shut us down. Like we need to start talking about these processes in relation to a lot of things that right. we see going on in the oh, world. Yeah. You know what's going to change them? The discoveries. It's going to change mm -hmm. because you're going to go, hold on, I just made this discovery. And you're going, what? And then the childlike excitement that can't be hidden <laughs> by our egos. They go, you made a discovery. I want to make a discovery, right? And, and we have that ability to do that. If climate geology is your focus and you think that it's in this major impact, something that you want to dedicate your life to, awesome. We have so many discoveries that need to be made on this subject. Get to work. Make some discoveries. Now, let's not argue about anything today. We're not there yet. We got the yeah. cart before the horse. Let's make more discoveries and maybe it'll make more sense. And you're doing it. You're living it. You are making discoveries <laughs> as a human being today. And that is exciting. And I think that's how the conversation switches. I think that's how the narrative switches in all this. We're not against each other. Are you guys kidding me? What is this? It, this is barbaric. We're not cracking, cracking our heads together and hitting each other with baseball bats. We're trying to just do this intellectually. We are coming together. You know, we're not barbarians anymore. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. 
Uh, all right, Skips, man. I think that was the completion of the show uh, with Jesse Cooper. Do you agree? I agree. Awesome. All right, guys. See you. Have a good day. All right.